0: Hi, I am Tingen, and this is the Parents in Tech podcast. Welcome to season one, where we interview mums who are technology company leaders based in Southeast Asia. We want to hear stories, hopes, challenges, and tips from mums who are raising kids while pursuing their career aspirations. In this episode, we speak to Cynthia, go-to-market lead at Bank Jago, one of Indonesia's first digital banks. She has more than a decade of experience in banking, fintech, and innovation. Previously, Cynthia co-founded Core Levels, a financial markets monitoring solution, and held key leadership positions at ING Bank and Orient. Cynthia has a nine-month-old daughter, Hi, Cynthia. Welcome to the Parents in Tech show.
1: Hi, Chinan. Thanks for having me.
0: To begin with, could you tell us a bit more about your family?
1: Well, I have a baby. She was like a COVID baby. So she just turned nine months actually just a few days ago. Small family unit with me, husband and a baby.
0: Got it. So I got to ask, right? What is it like to have a baby born in a COVID period? I, I'm a little cautious <laughs> of calling it COVID <laughs> baby. It doesn't sound great.
1: <laughs> that was actually one of my biggest worry because I personally have seen the different environment that my niece. So my elder sister have two daughters. Her first eldest daughter is five years old. So when she was growing up, she had all the freedom. Even at nine months, she was already traveling to to you know to KL and all whereas her second one was also a COVID baby her second one it's 19 months right now and I saw the difference in the environment that they grew up with and I think it is a contributing factor to their personality in the sense that I think the Elder one, she's more open. I think she's maybe quicker to pick up things. Whereas the second one, perhaps she is a little bit hesitant, right? When she first met new people, especially after we just got out of lockdown last year, and that was the first time I think you know she sees all of us, my parents. I think it's just I say different, and I felt her a bit bad for them, right? Because to them, COVID world it is their world to the extent that you know when my second niece like sees us wearing masks. She gets excited. She basically equate wearing masks. Hey, I get to get out again, you know. And every time she had the opportunity to get out of the house, she's just so excited. So that's what my biggest worry about, you know, when I have a COVID baby, it's how do I create that interaction with people but still keep her safe? But of course, with this whole situation, we really have not brought her out much. Even if we go out, we tend to look for the open space. But it's also very hot in Singapore. So she gets sweaty <laughs> and then her skin gets, you know, red. I think it's just balancing. Uh, but I made the decision to start sending her for like baby school. I mean, I know people will say I'm very Kyasu tiger parenting. But I actually thought it was cute when so right now her class, there's like say six babies including her. So I thought it's just cute to see all of them just trying to interact with each other. And I think that's just cute. Plus, hopefully, they are are absorbing whatever the teacher is teaching them at the same time.
0: That's so nice. Tell me a bit more about this baby school. When did you start sending her? And what is baby school?
1: I started sending her just after she turned six months. So it is Based on this Japanese teaching method, it's called Heiguru, and 45 minutes jam-packed with um, activities. But the activities, it's really a lot of flashcards. I mean, there's like song and dance, you know, I guess they play around with like say the lights, storytelling. But I think the key differentiator with say this specific method versus maybe the others, it's that they basically flash the flashcards at a fast speed. So, Apparently, because it's so fast, it would forcefully stimulate the right brain because only the right brain is able to absorb information at this speed. And the right brain is also the one that is like more creative and also basically good for memory. But we'll only see this <laughs> like when she gets older. Now I have no idea how to tell. But I do like that, you know, at least in this Kind of setting, she gets to see other babies, and also I try to replicate that with uh, some playdates. I mean, it's on and off. Like you know, when it was back down to just two people in a social group, then couldn't really do the playdates. But now it's back to five again, right? So I plan to ramp that up again. So hopefully, maybe once a week, at least she gets to meet with, I say, different babies or different kids.
0: Wow. Okay, I would want to go into the playgroup and playdates a little more. But let me come back to the baby school and hey group method. What was the thought process and how much time did you do all that research? Because I'm sure you didn't sign up with the first thing that you saw on Google. So walk me through that.
1: I had the advantage because I have an older sister and she went through a lot of this. So I just simply asked her. To be honest, I fall into that category of mom where I didn't really do much research on the things. This is Beyond just a baby school, even kind of like the type of like, you know, I guess diapers brand that I buy and things like that. I just asked my sister, hey, what works? And then she was like, oh, okay, this is good. That I just buy in bulk.
0: Okay, so any chance your nieces and your daughter are in the same school or are they in different places? Because this is something that I guess the Hey Guru method, is it done by one school or multiple schools?
1: A multiple school, I think it's a franchise. So for me, um, we selected uh, the one in Chu Chukang, which is nearer to where we stay. My elder niece went through to the one in uh, the East. My second niece, unfortunately, she actually did one lesson and then it was cancelled. Because of COVID. And she was at the time where COVID kind of situation really surged, right? So then my sister just decided to just wait until she can attend let like, say preschool which is like next year
0: how frequent are these classes out of curiosity because the fact that you have to accompany your daughter there that takes time once a week once a week okay once a week so that's fine once a week 45 minutes that's still manageable
1: i was considering because hey Guru is a very educational academic almost right so i was considering maybe a more fun music and dance they call it i think movement and dance so i went For a trial class with my husband's cousin who also have a baby daughter just a few months younger than mine. But we felt that they were not able to enjoy the class as much because they can't stand up or walk yet. Then we felt that it wasn't as effective. But I might consider that maybe next year. To me, if I were to, like, say, recap back, you know, my own, like, say, upbringing, when my parents gave me the opportunity to try all sorts of things, I want to provide the same for my baby as well. But with the exception of, I don't think it is good to put them through tests or examinations since young. Because I think that kills like the passion. So take for example, like music. I think a lot of us grew up learning piano, but a lot of us had to take exams. And I remember when I was younger, that really killed my passion. So in the end, all I remember was the whole year I was practicing my exam piece and I didn't like it. So this time around, I want to give her the exposure, but not make it boring for her, but at the same time, give her the choice. Now, say, if I don't like piano, perhaps I try something else.
0: I remember I also had, went through the same process. Piano every year is just practicing the three pieces and the skills. And it's always like, okay, the next level, the next level, the next level. It's something that just kills the fun, kills the joy. So I'm glad to hear that that's something that you're conscious of changing. Maybe, Cynthia, walk us through what were some of the parenting styles that you grew up under and what it's the one or two things that you plan to take now that you are a parent.
1: I grew up in a very strict family, especially my dad. He was very strict with us growing up. Since young, we've always been taught about the importance of doing well in school, which I mean, I would, I guess, modify when it comes to, you know, the next generation, right? Because I think we've also learned in our own way that getting the good grades doesn't mean everything. But at the same time, one thing that I get from my own upbringing, which I do want to provide to her, is that the idea of you should have aims, you should have goals, and you should be able to learn how to work hard for it. It can be for school, it can be maybe for something you like, it can be for sports, music, dance, and all. But I think the value of hard work and building that strong foundation. The other one it's about value of money. Other than being strict, my parents were very prudent with how we spend money, never giving us the access to the point where this might kind of be a very frivolous example, right? So I think perhaps like, you know, a lot of, I say, families, they are more willing to endow their children in maybe semi-luxury stuff. For my case, I remember my dad told me that, okay, you want that branded bag that you like? then you gotta get good grades first. So that's sort of like a reward. You know, you want something, you gotta kind of like work hard for it and justify why you can have it. And I think that translates kind of like the way I tend to maybe you kind know, of like say, spend my own money or all that. Like, say, if I want to kind of like, you know, have a certain level of life that I deem comfortable enough, then I need to be able to earn enough to afford my lifestyle. I shouldn't need to depend on anyone to give me the lifestyle that I wanted. Or if I can't earn enough, then sorry, I have to just like downgrade myself.
0: You have to live within your means, right?
1: Yes, live within means.
0: Wow, it sounds like both of us are quite similar. Both my parents also very much inculcated the fact that uh, hey whatever you want you got to earn it you got to work for it it's not going to be given to you and yeah I think it just brings that sense of understanding how hard it is to actually make money the thing that I was telling half jokingly to my wife Gladys it's say that when our daughter gets old enough I wanted to go out and sell cookies sell lemonade sell something and just understand how hard it is to actually make it so easy to spend money but making it it's so hard but Cynthia I'm not sure whether you face this I definitely do do you get the sense that almost sometimes you want to indulge your daughter. I know she's only 9 months old, but you just want to buy nice clothes for her. Sometimes I go to the store, I'm like, the kids' clothes, it's like more expensive than what we wear.
1: Yes, for sure. I am a sucker for all those sales events. So I did spend a lot during the 10-10, 11 because everything looks so cute and pretty. So I did buy a lot. And my, I guess, reassurance to myself is that I think now she's still a bit too young to understand. But definitely, I think when she gets older, I'll be a lot more conscious. And this is also actually a discussion that I have with my husband because both sets of parents, obviously, they like to indulge in their grand kids right and we cannot really prevent them from doing so because it is their right as grandparents so we have seen that and that is the agreement with my husband is we will allow our parents to indulge? So we will have to revate our own indulgence towards the kids. Like for example, if the grandparents are buying toys for her, then okay, we don't buy toys. Now, then there's also another step to it. If even without us buying, she still has too much. Especially when she gets older, we want to inculcate in her the idea is you don't get anything for free. So if you get new toys, before you can get the new toys, then you will have to maybe select one or uh, two toys to give away, right? Give away to a friend or even donation. So I kind of want to instill the idea that there's a give and take.
0: Now, Setia, I also noticed you recently moved right, and changed jobs. And this, it's quite interesting because in a year usually they say you try to make one major change at a time but I guess this year you both welcome your daughter to the world plus you shifted jobs so tell us a bit more about that I guess to start off why don't you tell us about the shift and then tell us a bit more about how the transition happened
1: Prior to my current job so currently I'm working in a company called The Catalyst but it's actually affiliated with Bank Jago which is Indonesia's first real fully digital bank which was just launched this year. Prior to that I was in another bank working in the innovation unit. How it came was it actually started off as a conversation. So there wasn't actually a real job posting because the bank is fully operated in Indonesia and I wanted to remain based in Singapore, but obviously my family is here. I want to be based here. The conversation started off really well. I started to meet a lot of their um, management team and I think the conversation just went very smooth until to the point they were like asking, hey, Cynthia, you know, what do you like to do? What are you kind of, like? say, passionate about? And that kind of conversation actually intrigues me. It actually makes me feel that you want to understand me as a person. And because of that, you know, then I want to be able to provide more, to do more. Under normal circumstances, you're right. Like, I already made one major change this year. I shouldn't be looking for another major change to overcomplicate my life. But the conversation just started naturally. And it was a very comfortable process to the extent that I was like, you know what? But maybe this is what I also need, right? I mean, I don't want to go following from the birth of my daughter that I will just be defined as a mom and only a mom, right? I think I should also think about what I want to do for myself, what would make me inspired again and things like that. And I found this in my conversation with all the management of, let's like, say, Jago. And to the point I was like, okay, let's try to do this again. But of course, before I took the plunge, I mean, this is all about, let like, say, communication. I did discuss with my husband and he was with me through the entire process. I made sure that she has a strong support system. Having like, a great helper is Godsend. so that I don't have to worry about the nitty gritties. Parents-in-laws have been a great help as well. They come to our place every day to take care of the baby, play with her, so that she can still grow up in an environment full of love uh, when the parents are busy. And yeah, I mean, once I have that, I decided, yeah, let's do it. Right. I think maybe also for the context of the audience, before I was working in a bank, I actually did startups for close to seven years. So this was an opportunity to interestingly marry two worlds that I'm familiar with, the bank and startups, and the answer is in the form of a
0: digital bank. That's awesome. It's the coming out together. There's so many things that I want to pick on, but let's start with. Earlier, you mentioned when your current colleagues ask you what makes you passionate. So I'm going to ask you that. What makes you passionate?
1: looking at the problems to solve. I think that's also how, you know, a lot of like startups have started. What's the problem you're trying to solve? And for me, because of the experience that I have, uh, naturally, it's always been about I think something finance related, but particularly the question of making people feel financially included, it it actually resonates with me. Take for example, my helper. So sometimes I talk to her about how she managed her money. I actually even help her create like her own Digital bank account in Singapore, so that she doesn't have to worry about going to the ATM to withdraw cash and then going to the money changer to exchange to send back home. It's just basically simple things like that. And previously, I realized that she was not included into the system. She doesn't even have a bank account in Indonesia. This is still kind of like say the uh, with the problem that a lot of uh, people in the region face, and also with problems as opportunity. So I have always believe in that. Now, when it comes to What makes me passionate? I think it's the whole situation or the whole experience of being able to build something and knowing that it would create a meaningful impact in people's life, right? Which I tie it back to this whole financial inclusion problem, that gels well. And plus, you know, it also allows me to kind of like create a, a nice <laughs> story for myself. So, okay, I and mean, maybe kind of like say transitioning back to, I was working in a bank, innovation, and what I'm missing, I feel that I'm back in the ivory tower. I mean, it is a great job. I get the stability that I appreciate because otherwise it's very difficult for me to always be in that hustling mode and yet trying to start a family the ideal notion is that we can have everything we want but realistically I think physically I wasn't able to take it as well (laughs) but I think perhaps I was back in that ivory tower setting I was missing you know what am I really doing something that is a meaningful or impactful I don't have the answer and I think sometimes it's fine to not have the answer but when a answer a solution was presented in front of me I think it was more of the you know what I think if I don't take this opportunity, I might miss it. And maybe a similar opportunity might not actually come my way. I think it's just the right time, right place, right everything. And I think for me specifically, this whole conversation, because I did mention about having to speak to, like, say the management uh, without kind of like say naming names. So one of the conversations, I spoke with the founder of this bank, very lucky as well, because he just happened to be based in Singapore for that period. Right. So I was very fortunate to be able to meet with him in person. And I look at him, very accomplished uh, veteran banker have been in banking industry for more than 20 years, started banks, uh, but this is more in the traditional setting, have even sold banks, so made a lot of money doing so. And he's still trying to do more for his people. And I think the whole kind of idea of creating a digital bank and being able to really service all the underserved and the unbanked and Even having made more than enough wealth to, let's say, last a lifetime, doing this again, that inspires me. Plus, the other thing was he managed to actually put a band together and from his previous stints as well. And to me, without knowing him well, because that was the first time that I met him, I just knew that he would be someone that I would want to work for, right? Because I think it says a lot when people actually willingly follow you to actually the trenches, right? Because a lot of the people that follow him, they are also very accomplished bankers as well. But yet, you are willing to give that up and do something that people see as risky because it is a startup. I think it is just a very nice feeling to be in that environment where I'm inspired again and I'm constantly inspired.
0: That's amazing. And I really liked the part about you were very conscious about it, that this was something that clearly you are passionate, you feel strongly for. And you will not let being a new mom hold you back from it, right? I think it's important that you pursue that passion, that interest of yours. And it's almost like, because you are a mom, you become better at the workplace and vice versa, right? So I really like the clarity that you have over there. And you also mentioned about to make this work, you needed that support system. Now, tell me a bit more about how you set it up, especially the part with in-laws, right? Because that always is a tricky ground. So I just got to ask, how does it look like? And how did you make it work?
1: Wow, you know these are basically accumulated from days and days on years of discussions between me and my husband. Even without a new opportunity that presented to me that I want to take, I've always known that I'm not going to be a stay-at-home mom. So I do want to continue to work. And okay, I don't pretend I'm a hero. So I don't think I'll be able to concentrate on really taking care of my baby to the best of my ability because it is tiring. I think all parents can (laughs) uh, basically resonate with that and still perform at work, right? So I've always known that in order to fuel my desire to continue working, I do need to have that support system. Obviously, luckily we are in Singapore, we are able to get help domestically. So actually, in fact, during the whole lockdown where I think a lot of the the visas were like cancelled, that was my most stressful period, I must say, <laughs> right? Now, in terms of, let's like, say, in-laws, it was a, a very clear-cut choice. It's because his parents stay in the West, my parents stay in the East. So for us, it's, a, it's really more, which one is more convenient, right? And we stay in the West, so we stay closer to his parents. So naturally, it is just easier and more convenient for his parents to come and lend for the helping hand. Like I say my parents, you know, will just try to schedule like regular visits. So usually I'll go to my parents' place on Saturday when there's no like restriction right so I think it became kind of like say a habit but there's also one thing because you mentioned about like say it being tricky right so this is actually one of the discussions that I had with my husband I said I don't mind right because I understand that you know his parents are already retired and they want to spend time with the grandkids and by all means I'm not going to stop them from doing so but at the same time if you have like visitors every day it does stress you out right even if it's not his parents like my parents right like I was thinking, I know maybe get the house clean and all that I did tell him that maybe little things like that he will have to, like, say, manage. And sometimes, you know, after like a long day of work, like back to back calls, when it comes to dinner time, I just want to chill by myself in the room and I don't necessarily want to engage in another, like, say, conversation. So I also told him there are certain times where I need my me time and he will have to be okay with that. And, likewise, I hope, like, say, he will be able to communicate to his parents, which luckily, his parents are very, very understanding. And they also recognize that we already have a very busy job and they don't expect us to always be there to like host them. And actually, maybe it actually works out in a natural way that they actually treat like coming to our place as very natural. Like they don't even have to tell us or oh, what time they're coming. Sometimes they'll just pop by. <laughs> we only know when the doorbell rings, which I think we have gotten into a very good habit.
0: I like that but because essentially what you have done is to number one, communicate very openly and clearly and also set that expectation. So it becomes like a non-event, like you don't need to go out to host them and all of that, which is just so important to make this work in the long run. And you have some of those conversations. So I'm going to ask you next, I said what were some of those conversations about parenting that maybe you realize, hey, you and your husband had different viewpoints?
1: Before we decided to have the baby, I think one of our main topics of discussion was about parenting. So first we started by talking about, let's say my own upbringing, and then he would bring up his own upbringing. And then we would compare which one, do you think it's better? <laughs> do you like the outcome that I have or the, the outcome that he has? Right? But of course, we agree that it, it should be, you know, a combination of both in terms of the percentage, you know, of course, that's subject to like further discussion. But generally, we agree that it should be a hybrid of both because we kind of like how we turn down in a way. right? But I think It's very, very important to have specific discussions like that. And we did actually talk about very specific discussions. For example, the issue of TV. Like I grew up without a TV in my room. Ever while well, he grew up with a TV in his room, I think since he was in primary school, right? So he enjoys watching TV much more than I do. Uh, whereas for me, I enjoy reading books more. But then he agrees that he actually feels that it's better to not have a TV, <laughs> so that maybe because I think he spends too much time, I say, watching TV. So we agree that we are not going to have, like, say, a TV installed in her room when she grows up, right? But I think it's not that you no know, no media entertainment ever. I think maybe also kind of like we will give her more uh, than what I grew up with. So it doesn't get to the extreme where if you restrict someone too much, and then this becomes something that they would always work towards. And you kind of don't want them to optimize for the little things. I think that's one. I think the second one, we agree that... Okay, so this one, I think we are kind of, I say, both quite aligned. That we were real fortunate to have the experience of traveling. So when it comes to, let's say, traveling, this is about the very prudent way of traveling, which my parents actually made us do. So it's four of us siblings growing up. Uh, we've never booked more than two hotel rooms <laughs> so it's always like we actually had to squeeze all in one bit but it was actually a fun uh, experience now that we kept Whereas for him it was just him and his elder brother so naturally the parents will book two rooms right so they all have a comfortable um holiday experience now when it comes to our baby i think we want to be careful obviously we want the whole vacation experience to be comfortable but at the same time not overly luxurious such that i think she will be have a fair sense of of, you know, I guess what is normal versus what is special, right? The last thing we want is for her to just take certain things for granted. I mean, nitty-gritty things like that. You can pick on, like, say, (laughs) on many, many different things that we talk about. You know, we even discuss down to, like, whether you have TV in the room or not.
0: Wow. But that is really intentional, right? Because even in the whole conversation of planning of starting for a family to discuss all these things to want to hear about each other's childhood where did you learn that from or is that something that just occurs to both you and your husband because it's quite unique i must say and in a very good way
1: (laughs) i think i'm always the one that initiate because i'm someone who likes to do things with a plan it's actually quite funny in the sense that Because I'm very used to startup. So in startup, a lot of things, even if you have a plan, it doesn't always go according to plan. But perhaps I'm so used to that kind of ambiguity in my professional life. But when it comes to a home front, I prefer a plan. So I would try to plan as much as I can. Down even to, let's say, timing. You know about the transition. About kind of, like say, now my baby is out. You know, she's growing healthily. She has a support system. That's why I get to pursue my own passion and aspiration. But previously, I actually left a startup. So I could also have that time to actually start the family. Right? So it was all sort of according to my plan. <laughs> so far, yes, I say workout out. And this is also quite evident in a lot of things that I do and I don't have an answer. I'll just discuss with him, right? So this whole kind of, like say, TV conversation, I think, it started because uh, we were renovating the place. And obviously, we already need to plan, like, because some of the uh, furnitures are built in, including the TV rack. Then the question came up, I was like, Adamant, no TV in the other room. And then my reasoning was, oh, even kind of asking for, like, a bookshelf, because it wasn't aesthetically pleasing to him to have, like, a bookshelf in the living room. Right. And I said, no, I want that because I want her to grow up with books. <laughs> I just initiate all this kind of discussion and sometimes uh, he's like annoyed because he's like, in a long day, why do I have to discuss about TV or books?
0: That's wonderful. But I think yeah, just creating the space for conversation, always, always helpful and it pays off in the long run. So Cynthia, what was one of the most surprising things that you faced when you became a mum?
1: One thing that I was worried about is that whether I'll be a good mum. Because I know that I am not naturally someone who is very nurturing. I'm not someone who is very good with kids. It's always very very awkward <laughs> for me to play with other people's kids except for my nieces. So I was a little bit worried that I'm not like a conventional motherly mom. And when my baby was born, when she was so tiny, I didn't even dare to hold her because she was so tiny and fragile. Right? But I think what surprised me was I was actually more patient than my husband when it comes to uh, handling a crying baby at night, right? Because he was always a patient one. Like for me, I'm always the one that is, like, you know, maybe more high energy and want to get things done type. He actually stayed with confidence that he'll be a great dad. He'll be able to handle the baby at real life. But handling a crying baby is very different. <laughs> yes. Right? When you cannot communicate all that, I surprised myself that in the middle of the night, even surviving on little sleep, right? I don't see a reason to be angry at all. My temper just was gone. <laughs> Versus like, I think my husband, when he was like, oh, I don't know what i do if you, you deal with it. <laughs> I think that really surprised me. So I'm like, hey, I actually have that motherly side as well. But at the same time, I think this is where I surprised everyone else because I just came back from like a work trip. So I was away from Singapore for one week and apparently my baby was like crying for me, <laughs> you know, every other day, right? But then when I was in Jakarta, I was just fully concentrating on work and actually not as affected as I thought I would be because there's always this whole idea of like mom guilt so I'm actually I also sort of surprised myself that when I was really in that work zone. So maybe it's also easier for me because I'm not there to see in person <laughs> so I was able to sort of like compartmentalize so actually the funny thing was I think when I first uh, came back to Singapore my baby was a little bit not very friendly with me she probably was angry but within like an hour she was fine again so I'm like okay good back to normal
0: <laughs> I like what you say it's almost like out of sight out of mind but it's also good that you are able to create that focus and also bring that back home right so it's like when you're work it's about the work and then when home it's about the home and i completely agree with you the wonderful thing about having young kids especially this young it's they forgive and forget very easily real well, probably because they, they aren't like super sure what's going on. But yeah, I think what you mentioned about the mom guilt and questioning, right? Can you even be a good enough mom? That's so real, right? Like, I mean, that's something that I think many moms go through, but sometimes they struggle to even talk about. Now, another thing that's also somewhat related to this is, of course, comparison, right? And I think for you, you have a sister with two nieces and there's naturally many things to compare. I, and I guess it's somewhat in our blood as Asians also, more than the others, How did you feel about this? Did you find that there were times when you caught yourself like potentially just being anxious or worried because of that comparison?
1: As in for me growing up or what I'm worried about my baby would face? As a parent. As a parent. I mean, for sure. I mean, which is also maybe why I decided to sign up for the class because there's this whole kind of emotion that oh you know if everybody is doing it and not everybody is going through to the same Singapore system so if I don't expose my baby or sign her up for like say certain classes that will help her give her advantage then she might lose out, right so I think it's this whole mindset that made me kind of like make decisions like that okay so maybe a more specific example be bit about because the topic of like preschool will come up very soon i mean in singapore we start very early and generally, that is either you go with like the more maybe Western method, right? Where you allow, like say, the kids to play, you know, to discover. But maybe the other side to that is then they don't learn how to maybe read or write very early on because that's not the focus of the curriculum. Or you go to the local ones where they design the preschool curriculum to prepare the kids for primary 1. And I say my niece, she's only five years old and she's having like say spelling lessons I never remembered having to do that. I grew up in Indonesia for my first like, six years of my life. I never remembered having to do any of those studying or like spelling when I was in preschool. But then if someone were to ask me then which method do I prefer, I'm actually leaning towards the second one, which is a local curriculum because she's going to go to a local school, right? So in that sense, then maybe, you know, it is easier for her to assimilate if she already went through that curriculum in preschool. But it's up to me and my husband to inspire her that at some point, um, you know, maybe graduate studies or undergraduate studies, right, she would want to experience overseas. right? Because to me, it doesn't really matter enough, like, which country, but I think the fact that you have experience living, studying in a different country, it really just broadens your perspective.
0: I 100% agree with that. But well, I guess to each his own, there's no right or wrong, but I'm with you on that for all that reasons. And one more, which is I'd rather the school be the bad guy of teaching the the difficult things (laughs) and like the play, the exploration, you come home and do it with me.
1: Actually, yes, you brought up a very, very good point because now you reminded me of like why, you know, back to like the whole play group thing. I wouldn't mind having the school to be like the bad guy that teach all this like dry, but necessary stuff. But then when you come home or, you know, weekends, okay, then we get to play play playgroup. So these are the playtime. But at the same time, it's also building that relationship, right? That maybe you can't get in a school setting because it might be a little bit too rigid.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, Ziti, this has been a really enjoyable conversation to sum up what is the one lesson you've learned as a parent in tech.
1: I think one lesson that I've learned is you can plan everything to the T but be mindful that I mean you're dealing with a small human being so things might not go according to plan. So just sometimes take it easy. Don't kill yourself over it and enjoy the process. I think one thing is to enjoy the process. Don't overstress about every single thing and then when you recap back, you don't even know what you were doing.
0: Yeah, spot on, right? To enjoy the process, enjoy the present, right? Not to live in the past or live in the future, but to just be with our children. That's golden advice. So Cynthia, for our audience, especially moms who love to connect with you, how can they best do that?
1: on LinkedIn, i think if they type in like my full name i should appear <laughs> on the search and feel free feel, feel free to uh, ping me on LinkedIn.
0: certainly we'll do that well thank you so much for joining me on the show today cynthia this has been a really enjoyable conversation
1: thanks a lot chinghan
0: thanks for listening to the parents and tech podcast with me your host chinghan we hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.